All right, if you have your Bibles, we're turning to 1 Samuel tonight. What do you think we're going to talk about tonight? We're going to be talking about David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be beginning at verse number 4. Now, I've got to make it a special announcement. Uh, Kelly and I are going to become full-time cruise pastors, and so uh, we just want to receive a special offering for that, and we're just going to serve the Lord on the high seas and base out of Crown Point Church. And what we'll do is uh, periodically through the year, we'll take you on as interns. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel 17. And it's right there in your notes here. I'm just going to read them right out of these notes here. 1 Samuel 17, verse number 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. And he was over nine feet tall. I just want to stop there for a moment. Sometimes the problems we face, we feel like they're that big. Verse number eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. So right here, the devil and Goliath are challenging God's people. Verse 11, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So what's happened is the Goliath and the devil have challenged Israel and God's people, and they're scared to death. Verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give you the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and of the air of the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Do I have an amen there? For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. This is more than a story that we learned when we were little kids. It's a story about how God wants to give you and me power to defeat supernatural enemies. It is more than some story that that kids are taught with the use of puppets. It is a literal account of how an almighty God stepped into the affairs of his sons and daughters and said that my family will not be defeated. It's a story about God's favor. We've been looking at, this is our fourth week, and it's entitled, our series is entitled, Walking in the Favor of God. 
And, and friends, tonight you can be with a bunch of Christians and you might be the only one with the favor of God. You can be with a bunch of Christians and nobody has the favor of God. I want to speak to you about how God, he wants to give you this type of favor in your life. That, that no matter what the obstacles are, that you can overcome them. That no matter what anybody would say, no matter what amount of negativity would be around, that you can be victorious. That you can go through death, hell, and the grave and have the supernatural, life-giving power of God. I want to talk to you tonight about walking in the favor of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word tonight. And Lord... Um, we do pray for Crown Point. We're sad that last Sunday that Pastor Jeff announced that he's moving on and Pastor Craig's announcing tonight to our youth, we ask you to protect our youth's hearts. But Lord, we're excited because we know that the best days are yet to be. God, we thank you that your hand is on Jeff, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Craig, but your hand is on us as well. And so Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your favor. I pray that every person that's here in the sound of my voice, that God, they would walk in your supernatural grace to overcome every obstacle that would be in their life, no matter how big or small it is. Lord, thank you that my sins are forgiven and thank you for your supernatural love. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to speak to us and change us. Amen. Tonight, I wanna speak to you about some real practical steps that you and I can take if we can grasp a hold of having the favor of God in our life. Let's look at number one here, very top of the list. What is the favor of God? And I just wanna get everybody on the same page. The favor of God is a place in life where everything comes together to a point that we get blessed for absolutely no reason that we can spot with the natural eye. How many want that? <laughs> that you get blessed, prosperous, and victorious for no reason, out of nowhere. That's what God wants to do. Hebrews 13, 10, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's look at a couple thoughts here. First of all, David, what did he do to receive God's favor? Let's look at the first thing he did. Look at verse number 11, right in your word. It says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Number one, he didn't get fearful like the others around him. I want you to see how amazing this is. You've got King Saul. And then you've got all of his army, all of his leaders, all of his personal protectors, all of his armor bearers, and nobody there was ready to fight. Everybody was scared. David had the favor of God, and he did not get terrified like others were getting terrified. Can I just be really honest with you? If you're a Christian and you get scared, I want you to receive this, that's out of the will of God. I want you to hear me. Fear, unless it is a reverence fear towards God, it's out of God's will. Let me give you 1 Timothy 1.7. For God's not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Let me, let me hear this in my word. God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you're a Christian, you're fearful, you're out of God's will. If you're a Christian, you're scared, out of God's will. You know what courage is? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's the overcoming of fear. Hey, listen, it's, a, it's one thing to get fearful. It's not a sin to get fearful as long as you overcome it. 
Courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the power to overcome it. And David was not afraid. And can I just challenge you this morning? The next time you're with somebody and they start telling you about everything that's wrong with our country, and we got a lot of things wrong. (laughs) Don't you give in to fear, though. When you're with people and they start talking about everything that's wrong with our economy, everything that's wrong with, and you can just name it off, you be the person that keeps the calm Calm spirit. You be the person that keeps the level head. You be the one that brings positive, life-giving power. Don't be scared. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to hear that one more time. Zechariah 4, 6. It is not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's why we don't get fearful, because it's by his spirit. If you're here today and you're giving in to fear in any area of your life, I can give you 100% assurance you're out of God's will. We do not give in to fear, we give in to faith. Number two, so here's how David had God's favor. Number one, he didn't give in to fear like everyone else around him. Let's look at number two. Look at verse 32. It's right there in the word of God. It says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Okay, look at that one more time. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. The Lord just spoke something in my heart. I don't even have the notes, but he was humble, first of all. He calls, look at that. He says he calls himself a servant. Have you ever met somebody that they tell you how good they are? You ever met somebody who tells you how smart they are? Here's David, and he goes in there, and what's, how, what's he call himself? A servant. Now, let's go to what I have in the notes here. Number two, he stepped out when nobody else would. I'm going to make one more reference to this, and I'll leave it alone. I love what Ann did. She stepped out. We're probably a lot of people in Crown Point are just on cruise. Well, we got Hero Sunday. Let's turn on the TV. Well, we got Hero Sunday. Now let's go eat. But it's gripped Ann's heart. And so she stepped out, and she doesn't care if anybody steps out or not. She's going to step out. She doesn't care if other people care about their neighborhoods. She's going to care about her neighborhood. And, and, and friends, I just want to encourage you tonight that God wants us to step out when nobody will step out. You know what I've noticed is a lot of times when we have a big service, when I'm preaching or when pastor's preaching and we give the altar call, a lot of times there's a lull. But once one person raises their hand, I'm ready to receive Jesus. Then boom, 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 more people. But it takes somebody that will step out. And, and friends, I want to encourage you. God wants you and me not just to follow, follow the flow. He wants us to be the first one out. Can I tell you something? When I came to know Jesus, January 1st, 1990, Shortly after that, when I was in high school, I made a decision, I'm going to step out. And if people don't step out, I'll be the only one. But I'm going to step out. And I just want to ask you, will you step out for what God wants for your life? Will you step out and walk in God's favor? Because if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one phrase down. There's a price for the favor of God. There is a price for that. There is a price for the favor of God. And, and Kelly was telling me this week, as God was speaking to her heart, it's obedience. If we're disobedient to the God, we don't get the favor of God. Now, if we're disobedient to God, we still get the love of God. 
If we're disobedient to God, we can still be as sons or daughters, but if we're disobedient, we don't receive the favor of God. And I want you to see what happens here. David, he steps out. Oh, man, I just wish people would step out. Uh, you, you know what? You might say, well, Barry, I'm the only Christian at work. You know what? If you stepped out, there might be five or ten that join right behind you. Oh, don't shout me down. I'm preaching good. Oh, man. Well, Barry, I, I don't know if I can write that check. You have no idea what type of financial prosperity awaits you until you step out. Let's look at number three. So how does David get the favor of God? Well, first of all, he doesn't give in to fear like everybody else gives in to fear. Number two, he's willing to step out when nobody steps out. Now look at verse 33. Let's get deep into the word here. Here's what the word says. It says in verse 33 that you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy and he's been fighting man from his youth. Okay, can I tell you how stupid King Saul is? Let's look at him right now. This is one of the stupidest statements. You can even quote me on that. One of the stupidest statements. Now, I just want you to understand this. Nobody's willing to fight Goliath. Nobody. And finally, somebody volunteers, and King Saul tries to talk him out of it. Listen, if we're out at night on the town with Joe and Andrea, and three big guys want to fight us, and Joe's willing to fight them, have at it, brother. Good luck. I'll pray for you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you're going to jump in, I'll let you jump in. But for some reason, somebody finally steps up and Saul tries to talk him out of it. Crazy. I want you to see this point here. And I just want to make sure that you get it because we're, we all face it. Is that he didn't listen to the negativity of the others around him. Now, did you get that? here's verse 33 one more time. You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. Is that the truth? He is a boy, yes. And Goliath has been a fighting man from this, from this youth. Is that the truth? Yes. You see, can I tell you, sometimes a negative statement can still be the truth. But those people who were negative didn't take into account the supernatural power of God. Listen to me, friends. Even if you've got an all-Christian family, I've seen Christian families that can be kind of negative. Even if you go to a life group, there can be people in your life group. Negative. Even if people have been saved for 40 years, I've seen some cranky old saints. I want to say something to you so bad, but I want to keep, keep this spirit going. We can't give in to negativity. I love this story Joel Osteen tells. Has anybody ever been to Joel Osteen's church? Raise your hand if you've ever been there. Okay, you, you know I'm going to tell the truth. Kelly and I went there. We've been there twice. Once in the old building, once in the new one. I'll tell you about the new one. We went down there, and I want you to picture the Sprint Center. And that's what his church is like. And I mean, his church has so much parking. Streets before you get to the church, Dan, they've got parking garages. And, and check this out. This church is so big, the manhole covers on the street have the Lakewood dove on them. And Joel Osteen tells this story. It's the largest church in America. 
that when they were building this church, trying to get, they weren't even building it, they were trying to buy it. A lot of people didn't want a church buying a 20,000 seat. You know, listen, those bars that are around that athletic arena, they didn't want those Christian people coming in. There's other things around sporting events. <laughs> they didn't want this church coming in. It had never been done. And Joel Osteen, they had this big leadership team. And one of the guys on the leadership team, he would always come in just like verse 33. He would always come in and tell them why they couldn't buy this. Well, we don't have the permits. Well, we can't buy this because of the city law. Well, we can't buy this. We got attorneys. Well, we, and finally, you know what Joel Osteen said? He goes, I finally had to fire him. He goes, we'd come in there all built up in faith how we're gonna buy this thing and turn into the largest church in the nation. And every time we come in there, somebody would be telling us why we couldn't get it done. And can you imagine sweet, loving Joel? You ever see him? I mean, he just, God bless, you know what I'm saying? I can't even impersonate him. <laughs> Fired him! And that church is alive today, hallelujah. Largest church in the nation. You know why? Because they got rid of the negativity. And listen to me, friends. Every time God speaks to you about a dream, the devil's gonna give you plenty of reasons why it can't happen. Every time you begin, God begins to speak to your heart. Man, we can start this ministry. We can do this. We can do that. God's going to speak to you, and the devil will give you 20 reasons why what God just said can't come to be. And you've got to make a decision. Will you listen to the devil, or will you listen to God? Because I, I want to give you one last thought on this, and I'd like you to write this down if you're taking notes. 99% of the time, God asks you to do the things that are only impossible. 99% of the time, if it's God speaking, it's gonna be asking you to do something impossible. Very rarely does God say to me, Barry, I want you to do this because you can do it in your own strength, wisdom, and education. Very rarely does God say, Barry, I'm gonna put you in charge of this ministry and you've already got all the tools and everything you need. No, God says, Barry, I want you to do this and you're gonna have to step out in my power and it can only be done if you trust in me. But then it's something big. Okay, so let's go to number four here. Favor of God. So let's look at verse 39. So David fastened on his sword. It's really important that you look into this. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around. What happened here is King Saul, the king, was trying to give David his weapons. So one more time, David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And here's what David says. He says this to the king. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. What's the point here? How does he walk in God's favor? Right here. He refused to walk in someone else's identity. Now, did you see that from the word? The king of, of this nation gives him his weapons, his armor, his, the greatest probably, I mean, this is the king of the nation. He had the greatest weapons and armament. But here's what happened. David says, I can't go on these, and he took them off. Do you know what that's a picture of? You can't walk in Pastor Newby's identity because that's his identity. You can't walk in my anointing or my identity because that's my identity, my anointing. Friends, God wants to make you a powerful warrior. 
but he doesn't want another Bill Newby. He doesn't want another, he doesn't even want another Billy Graham. He wants you with his supernatural favor to overcome any obstacle or any power that come against you. And, and can I just tell you tonight, the quickest way, if you wanna become a preacher, is to try to preach like me. Quickest way to failure, try to preach like me. Quickest way to try to become a failure in preaching is try to preach like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to get alone with him and say, God, how do you want us to do it? He wants us to get alone with him and say, God, how do you want me to function? How do you want me to act? What do you want me to do? Friends, I just want to just speak to your mind and challenge you this morning or this evening. God wants an unbelievable you. You try to be like Jesus and stop trying to be like other believers. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Even the Apostle Paul, he recognized that he doesn't want people following him, but he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I just feel like somebody needs to hear this. Stop walking in somebody else's identity. Walk in your own identity with Jesus. Okay, so let's look at number five here. We're almost done here. Number five, he walked... Look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin. Some of you right now, people are coming against you with negative accusations, unjustified treatment, bringing up your past, bringing up your mistakes, bringing up your limitations, whatever. Verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Now I want you to see that one more time. See, David's not gonna walk in his identity. He refuses even to, he's walking in the identity that God's given him. He goes, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He walked in the power of the name of God. I just want you to hear this. There is power in Jesus' name. Mountains have to move in Jesus' name. Sicknesses have to leave in Jesus' name. Sins are forgiven and forever cast away in Jesus' name. Peace is given in the midst of the worst hellacious experiences we could ever have in Jesus' name. But only in his name. And I just, it's not in the notes, but I want you to hear this. When you start taking credit for what God does, pretty soon you can't do what God had you do. I want you to hear that one more time. When you start taking credit for what God does, pretty soon you stop doing what God had you previously doing. He had the name of God. And, and, and I, I wish that I could, uh, there's a better way I could explain this. When you wake up tomorrow, I want you to know that every attack from the devil has to get out of your way because of the name of Jesus. That every obstacle against you has to move over if you will submit and walk in the name of Jesus. That if you will submit to God humbly, every force has to get out of your way. Romans 8, 37, know in all these things we are more than conquerors 
Notice the word all. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you the last one as Chris comes to play very softly. Two more, I'm sorry. But I still want Chris to come play very softly. Verse 47, so here's David. He's just walking in God's favor. Nobody else is that, got it. There's Israelites all around. Nobody else will fight. Nobody else will stand. And can I tell you, sometimes there's Christians that will bow down and won't fight for what should be fought for. There's sometimes there are Christians that were watered down the gospel, they were watered down the word, they were watered down the truth, and sometimes you just gotta make a stand no matter what. Let's look at what verse 47 says. So here's David, he's about to encounter Goliath, and he says something, if you wanna remove stress from your life, just memorize this one verse. If you got trouble with anxiety, can't sleep at night, memorize this one verse. Verse 47, the battle is the Lord's. Woo! The battle is the Lord's. If you're struggling with lust, you wake up in the morning, Lord, I just received your power to overcome this lust, and devil, I'm gonna overcome it because the battle is the Lord's. If you're here and you're struggling in your finances, you tell the devil, I know I'm gonna overcome this because the battle is the Lord's. If there's something going on in one of your relationships, God, I thank you that I have your victory because the battle is the Lord's. And what that does is it takes the pressure off us and leaves it at the feet of Jesus. One of the worst things you or I can do, in fact, it will, it will burn us out if we try to do what only God can do. It'll burn us out. It will burn us out. Let me give you the last one here as we close. David had the favor of God, last one. Look at verse 48. Whew. Man, now I mean this. This is the last time I'll make reference to Anne. This reminds me of Anne, verse 48. Everybody's running from Goliath. Everybody's running. What verse 11 say? On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and the Israelites, they were terrified and dismayed. But look at what verse 48 says about David. David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. I mean, everybody's running, and, and David, he's running to Goliath. David had God's favor because of this one thought, this last one. He didn't run from battles, he ran to them. And that's what you got to do. If there's an area in your life, stop running from it and start running to it. If something's going wrong in your life, stop ignoring it. Stop trying to put it underneath the rug. Get the power in the Word of God. Face that thing and defeat it in Jesus' name. Get it. Get it. That's the only thing you can do. I'm telling you, if you're struggling in a relationship, man, you get a hold of the Word of God and you say, I'm going to run to this problem. And I'm telling you, this is a word of that some of you need to hear tonight. David, he had God's favor because he ran to the problem. I've had people come in my office for counseling and we're talking about problems that happened 20 years ago. I mean, 20, <laughs> I had a full head of hair and a mullet when they were going through this problem. <laughs> President Reagan was the president when we when were talking about this problem they're talking about. And you know why? Because for 20 years, they've just kept running. 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 You know what? If you're given over to a spirit of low self-esteem, until you take that thing and cut its head off, just like David did Goliath, you're never gonna overcome it. 
If, you, if you're given to a spirit of fear and you can't share the love of God with others and you're ashamed of Jesus until you rise up in the supernatural power of God, grab the word of God, embed it deep in your heart and just cut the head of that spirit of fear off, you'll never have God's power. You can't run. So tonight if you're here, I just want to tell you with the love and the grace of God, stop running. Stop running. Let me give you these two things to close with tonight. So David, he had God's favor. Let me just give you two practical steps as we close. First of all, you can't have the favor of God if you don't pursue God. He must be pursued. You must pursue him. And and I don't mean come to church. I don't mean just be in a life group. You've got to pursue God. You've got to pray to him just like I'm talking to you, just like you talk to somebody, like he's real, because he is real. You've got to stand on what his word says and step out when nobody else will step out. You've got to pursue him. You know, I think about when when I first met Kelly, and I'm not saying this to be funny, I'm not gonna tell a joke here. Man, I'm telling you, my heart was grabbed by her. I didn't know what she would say to me, but man, I knew where my heart was. I just pursued her and thank God she couldn't get away but you got to pursue God let me give you the last one tonight finally if you want to have God's favor you can't have favor and hold on to pain now did you hear that some people they never get God's favor because they're holding on to pain I'm going to close with this one story then we're going to pray they were doing this study with monkeys. This is a true scientific story, uh, true scientific uh, experiment. In these these areas, the monkeys would come, and, and and they would cause damage to the crops. And they were trying to think how could they capture these monkeys in a humane way? You know, how can they capture these monkeys without bringing out people with guns and shooting monkeys down? Well, here's what they did. They would set up this container. And it would have a fruit in it, like a banana or something. And they would have just a hole just small enough where the monkey's paw could get through there. And what would happen is, as soon as the monkey would grab the fruit, he couldn't get his hand out with the fruit. But here's the thing. If he would just let go, then he could get his hand out. But it wasn't big enough for his hand and the fruit to come out. And do you know what happened with his monkeys by instinct? They would stay connected to that contraption for hours because they wouldn't let go of what was inside. And see, that's a picture of us. Sometimes what happens with people is they grab onto pain and they won't let it go. It's a weird cycle. And friends, can I tell you something? You can't have the favor of God and hold on to pain. You gotta let it go. Because let me tell you something. If there's anything, if your hands aren't completely open, you can't hug the Lord. You know, if I got two bags of groceries, I can't hug Kelly. And if we've got bags in our hand of our sins or our mistakes or our guilt or our pain or what we could have or should have done, we cannot embrace God. We can only embrace God when our hands are empty. And if you're here tonight and you're holding on to pain, God says, let it go so you can have his favor. Just bow your hearts to me in prayer tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that's in your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you that your word gives us life.
Thank you that it's something that we can count on. We know that it's firm forever.